Gay Essay Radio, where you are family. I'm Ray, and this is what went down on Rainbow Talk week ending the 19th of October. This week on Rainbow Talk, I had a sit down with Pumzi from Iranti, and she told me about the coming Radio, where you are family. Maboya, I'm Ray, and this is what today she had I to say. Pumzi Manana from Iranti organization. Hi, Pumzi. Thank you so much for taking time to chat to us. Hi, Ray. Thank you so much for having me. Please tell me more about Iranti as an organization and what role do you play inside of it? So Iranti is a media advocacy organization. And basically what that means is that we use media to advocate for the rights of the LGBTI community. And our focus is on health, violence and education. My role is the media manager and communications manager. Fantastic. And what's the story behind the Bitch Magoya film? So Bitch Magoya is a short documentary and it came about um, after we noticed that over the festive season last year, there was an unprecedented rise in the number of hate crimes, but more especially in the Northwest province. Um, since Iranti always follows up on hate crimes when they reported, this is to just make sure that the justice system is responsive to the cases, also to check on the families of the victims. Um, so while we're following several cases, the gruesome murder of Kakiso Mayema was reported in January this year. So the film came about while we were documenting. And because there were so many complexities to the case, it became the core focus of the story. Mm. And what's the objective or purpose behind uh, this film screening in particular? So we've de- um, we've decided to use... Um, the film screening platform to invite members of the community to watch the documentary. And this also includes um, just members of our community, members of the justice and legal systems, members of the sector nine organizations. Um, And the film screening is then used to raise awareness because there is a continuing of hate crimes in the Northwest and in other parts of South Africa. And because it's a form of media advocacy, while you view the film and we use the film to tell the story, it can also then be used to raise that awareness and to try and put an end to hate crimes. Um, what we see is that if people see the damage that a hate crime has on a family, on a community, it may start to influence change. Uh, but more than that, we've also found that people are more responsive when they can recognize faces they know in documentaries. So our first launch was in the Northwest, just outside of Rustenburg, where the murder happened. And then we had a, com- a dialogue with the community because they recognized these faces. Yeah. And you spoke much about awareness and raising awareness. Why would you yes. say it is very important for people to be aware of such content and of such unfortunate incidents that happened within our community? Well, the importance is just so that we can influence change. You know, no one needs to be harassed or even murdered because of their gender or their sexual orientation. We like, we, we, we need people who have influence to assist activists and community members in combating this violence. But we also want to educate and sensitize the communities um, so that people can freely express themselves without fear of persecution, without prejudice. Now, a lot would argue that we still have a long way to go, especially when it comes to 
advocacy and uh, where we are at right now in our LGBTQ plus community and where we're from to where we have to go to. Would you say what you are, what your form of advocacy uh, being through media is, is a step towards the direction it actually does help? I truly believe that it does help. I think the combination of media and advocacy is very powerful. You know, in our communities, we consume a lot of media, but um, when media is crafted so that it can actually advocate for the rights of those who need it, then there's definitely going to be change. Um, so with Iranti, it's very important that we reach communities where this kind of information isn't reaching people. Um, Yes. Pinsy, I'd like to ask, in terms of media, right, especially mainstream media, how can we make sure that they do tell empowering narratives and make sure that they get the right message out there? Because when we see storylines and narratives that are put out by the media, by people that don't know our story, they don't tend to get it right. So I would like just to know from you, even if you can just briefly share with me, um, how can you, how can we help make sure that the message that is put out there uh, on behalf of the LGBTQ plus community is an empowering narrative? I think what's really important is that we need to tell our own stories. You can't tell the stories of other people where you don't have the experiences. It's important for members of the community to be involved in the process of creating those stories. That's always been very important to us. People need to be able to voice their own struggles and voice their own struggles in a way that's true to them. And that way we can make sure that the correct information goes out in mainstream media. It is possible to create entertainment without without it being overly academic. It is possible to craft entertainment that does actually affect change, even if it's based on fiction, if the correct members of the community are involved. If it's a story about trans people, then trans people need to be involved in telling that story. Um, for the screening of Bitch Magoya, what can guests expect at the actual screening? What, is, there, is it just they're going to come watch and then leave, or is there anything more to it? Well, there's a lot that guests can expect. Firstly, we're going to have opening remarks by the Deputy Minister of Justice, John Jeffries. Um, members of the community can also expect to watch the film with other members of the community. Various organizations will be present also watching and then we can expect a panel discussion. So we have three panelists. We have Zetu Matabane, who is a, um, a queer academic. She, her focus is on queer studies. We also have an activist, Siogeti Mugeti, from the uh, Northwest province. So a very important voice to have there. And then we have artist, uh, Gabriela Goliath, whose focus is uh, uh, using art to deconstruct violence. So I think these are very important voices and a very interesting conversation that guests can expect to be part of. And then afterwards, there'll be some mingling. And I think it's a really great space for um, members to join us. Sounds like it'll be very enlightening and so enriching. Um, what are the basic details? When is it going to be? Where is it going to be uh, for damage? Is there going to be an amount that needs to be paid? How does it go? Um, entrance is free, so we'd really love it if you could come along. We're going to have the screening at the Market Photo Workshop in Newtown. It's on the 25th of October. That's next week, Thursday. 
and it's 5.30 for 6 p.m. So, yeah, dress sharp and come and join us. Sounds exciting. Uh, are there any other projects that Irante listeners can look forward to from Irante? Sure. Um, we have a YouTube channel where we are always uploading content on the cases that we follow, sometimes even creative content that we've created with members of the community. We have a Facebook page, that's iranti-org, that you can check out and you can see what we're up to, which events we're hosting or where we'll be. We also have a Twitter and Instagram account, so just look us up. And for any further information and for people who wish to be in contact with you guys, how can they go about doing so? Um, you can always uh, Facebook message us or you can give us a call. May I give you the number? Absolutely. It's 011-339-1476. That's 011-339-1476. So send us a message or give us a call. We're always happy to meet new people. Thank you so much for chatting to me, Pimzi. And thank you so much for having us. GSA Radio, where you are family. This is Ray, and I was chatting to Pumzi Manana from Irante at a media and advocacy organization. Up next is Tandegile, a handicapped young lady, telling us how she navigates with being both lesbian and disabled in this society. Disabled in this society. Reporting from Soweto Pride on the final day, and I'm here with a very interesting individual. Please introduce yourself to our listeners, and um, if you don't mind sharing what your disability is. Um, my name is Tandegile. Um, I am a Sowetan. Um, I've been a paraplegic for almost 18 years now. Yeah, I was actually involved in a car accident when oh. I was 10 years old. Oh, so you weren't born this way? No, no, I wasn't. Now, um, also just to clarify, um, how do you identify in terms of your orientation? I'm gay as fuck. Oh, I'm so there we go. Now. There we go. Yeah. She is gay AF. We love it here. Now, um, uh, tell me, would you say, before we talk about the actual Pride event itself, would you say that the world has a different attitude towards you, um, seeing that you are lesbian and um, disabled? Would you say there's they sort of sympathize with you and and you don't experience as much homophobia as perhaps your able-bodied counterparts who experience it on a daily basis? To be honest, I don't ex- um, experience a lot of um, homophobia. homophobia. Um, it is, for me, I don't, I don't, I've always been a tomboy um, and everyone that has been in my life since then has always identified me as, as a tomboy. But then when I came out, it was not so much of a shock. Um, but yeah, well, we'll, we'll get to what I actually want to address in, in a second. Or should I address it now? All right. Um, my main challenge is that us as a gay nation, we do feel like we're not um, accommodated enough in, in the world. But now it's more challenging when you are gay and have a disability because even the gay community has not expanded in that sense in, in terms of accommodating people with disabilities. I really wish that would change um, sooner than later. Speaking yeah. of accommodating people yeah. with disabilities, would you say that the Pride event, in terms of logistics, in terms of you just getting around, um, was it, do you feel that the venue and the organizers took people like you into consideration? Mm, no, they did. It's, it's better. Yeah, I think it's, it's definitely better than last year. 
In the past, I think it's only now. I think the awareness is only starting to kick in now. But um, I haven't. I, I I still have not gotten to that point. But you know what? We learn every day. This is how things are going to start happening. You know? mm. And um, also just about um, your disability, you said you don't experience a lot of homophobia in general. In general. Do you think it is perhaps because um, there's an element of maybe pity I that think. people afford you that they don't afford? And, yeah. and do you, honestly, do you enjoy yeah. it or do you resent it? I don't, I don't, like, I don't like pity. I, I actually hate pity, but... Some people express different emotions differently. So sometimes it may come as, it may look like pity, but it's just, I don't know how to, how to define it. But, yeah, maybe you can probably put it as, yeah, trying to be sensitive, trying to be sensitive towards me, you know. Um, but I, I hate pity with all my life. Um, yeah. Do you? Do you think you, in terms of getting around, you operate better in heterosexual spaces or gay spaces? Uh, just on a in, daily, in getting around, yeah, um, your day, with your daily physical challenges. Um, or is it the same? I actually feel like heterosexuals handle me better no. than gay people. Wow, that's interesting. That's very strange, right. I know, but they are so. I don't know. You know, there's, 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 there hasn't been a lot of awareness. But the treatment I received, but yesterday was fun, you know. Mm. Not that um, people of my nature or gay people mm. are not friendly. Yesterday was one of the best experiences I've actually experienced on, on, on gay pride. And so it's a pride is getting better. Uh, and so yeah. you are one of the, you said you're a proud Sowetan. You've Definitely. done Soweto pride numerous times. Mm, um, what would you be your one complaint about the event? The event... Um, Before Black Twitter puts it out there. Yeah. The event, if you can make the bathrooms more wheelchair-friendly in the future oh, okay. and make sure that the ground is leveled. Mm -hmm. You see, when I went to that side yesterday, it was a challenge because um, there's, like, stones. I can't drive myself. I'm, I'm very independent, so I prefer doing everything But myself. the pebbles were hard to maneuver. They were very hard, you know, even for the person that was actually assisting me. Oh, okay. So if in future you can make sure that everything is on ground level okay. and um, the bathrooms are all different. And what was your highlight um, for this year, especially cool. compared to last <laughs> two other years? My highlight... Um, well, definitely Kelly Kuma. No, she, she, she shut it down. Hey. She shut it down. Um, but my highlight, wow, you know what? This year I really felt like I was included. Last year not so much, you know? And people were very assistive, you know? Willing to help, you know? Willing to assist wherever I couldn't, even, even with the people I was with, just to assist them also, you know? I had a quick chat with Mr. Sia Kumalo, an author of You Need to Be Gay to Know God. And he told me about all his expectations for the global conference that took place at Constitution Hill in Johannesburg. And we are still out at the global LGBTIQ plus network and conference. What a mouthful, right? Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, I'm here chatting to Sia Kumalo who focuses mainly on a social, political, uh, he is actually a social com political commentator, uh, as well as the author of You Have to Be Gay to be Know God, and we actually chatted with you on air recently. Yes, we did. Uh, can you tell us why you are here? Well, um, 
I, I'm, I'm really excited because we're, we're in a time at the moment when there are a lot of these meetings and these conferences and everyone's cognizant of the idea that they have to take something back home that they can use. So I'm, I, I just knew from the moment I saw the invite, I was confident that this will be another kind of gathering like that. And I, I do hope we wring every ounce of value that we, uh, that we can out of it in terms of improving the situation for LGBTIQ plus people across the continent, not just in our own backyards. Um, do you have a highlight or an expectation that you are hoping to get from this? I'm a bit open-minded because one of the things I've noticed and and a few of the speakers have have mentioned it, this is a very homogeneous group. Mm. So the expectation, my hope, (laughs) is somebody's taking notes that there's a strategy document of some nature that will emerge from all of this. Um, And and also a lot of intra-continental solidarity. But otherwise, it, I just I'm, it's one of those situations where I'm confident something great is going to emerge, but I'm not entirely sure what it will be, other than a strategy maybe. Especially where uh, public policy policy is concerned. We saw the M, one of the MECC, I think mm-hmm. she's in, in, in community safety and, and, and whatnot. I think we'll see people coming away with ideas for interventions in religious spaces and in, in, in also in uh, corporate and business spaces. And that's always valuable. Um, you mentioned that you notice a common thread amongst the speakers that have already spoken this morning, and they, you hope that we people can uh, take notes and ask, answer the questions, and then we have a plan. Uh, some of the questions that Tammy Dish actually raised was how to create a safe space amongst us, okay. uh, how to inject and influence positive content on social media uh, for the LGBTQ plus community, ways yeah. to find inspirations and teaching from within one of us ourselves. And he says he pleaded and challenged us to organise ourselves and find these answers do you have any take on that well he's not just the only one who said this Mm. but there's an issue of eradicating the homophobia from within us Mm. so we learned a few things from the straight world um, namely how to beat one another down and we've been doing it amongst ourselves and we're not going to grow beyond that unless we can work on our internalized homophobia racism whatever it is to the extent that we can then be an influence for good in the world because at the moment we actually have a voice with the Me Too movement, mm. uh, Time's Up movement. So we have a voice with feminist movements. It, it's not complete. It's not as big as it could be. But I think when we, when we eradicate the misogyny and the homophobia that we live with, our message to, on those platforms will be clearer. So by, if we just get that right, if we get our internal politics right, the organizational work we have done will click into place. We have been organizing. You've mentioned a couple of movements, and I'd like us to touch on that as soon as we've heard heard more of these conversations and dialogues, because I think we're going to pick up a lot of that also, uh, being feminist, uh, being part of feminist movements and womanist movements. So, uh, lastly, you've told me expectations. You told me what you hope to get from this. Bit open-minded. Yeah. Uh, What are some of the things that you personally are going to be touching on during your dialogue conversation? Well, uh, the next one is about religion. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be about the importance of speaking a language. When we go to our communities, um, the, the broader world, always speak a language that people can understand. Yes, we have been bottled and suppressed. And our first instinct is to come out with what is familiar and comfortable and comforting to us. So I'm go- it's, it's drinking our own Kool-Aid. When we go back into our churches, into our cultural spaces, into our communal sp- community spaces, we need to remember the languages that they know and somehow marry where we're coming from, mm. our safe spaces with what they know. Otherwise, 
will be speaking foreign to such an extent they'll just it'll be an immediate upfront rejection. Spanish language to French people. Correct. So the, the temptation is to go back home with the rainbow flag flying high, which is great. Fly a rainbow flag. Uh, but it takes time. It takes time because now you have to explain what the rainbow flag is. It what you could the do, <laughs> Yes, what you could do is simply say to the person, listen, you're Zulu. This is your cultural background. Let me tell you what the Zulu tradition said before colonialism um, whitewashed it. This is what the Zulu tradition said about LGBTI people. So start with what, where the person is and then move them over to... And now that's how we got the rainbow flag, all the way further down in history. Where we are at right now right. and where so we're trying to take it. Yes, yeah, so start back there. We all come from, from, from common roots. Mm. Start at the common root and then explain your journey up until the flag, up until pride, up until these things that are so foreign to a lot of our relatives and our friends and our pastors and our communities. So yeah, I really look forward to hearing more of your dialogue and conversations. I think it's going to be very enlightening, apart from what we've already known about you and read from the book. <laughs> right. Hopefully you'll be giving us some new information that we can take with us and, as you say, infiltrate it to taking it back home and sure. making it more applicable to us. All right. Thank you so much for the chat. Thank you so much. I'll see you. Finally, here is Tummy Dish from the Tummy Dish Foundation, who organized the whole global conference bringing together all activists and influential people from all around the world to sit down and discuss LGBTQ plus matters and how we can move forward as a community. This is Tommy Dish reporting from Constitution Hill, Johannesburg. To invite onto stage the founder of the global LGBTIQ network. Tommy! Quite on the camera. I don't usually do this. I'm so anxious. What do you say after reading 40 stars spoken? You know? So um, you just read your script. You know? You're like, okay. There's a speech. Go through it. And try and keep it season short because you've pretty much covered everything. Um, so I'm going to start. William Shakespeare said, All the world is a stage, and all men and women are merely players. They have their exits and their entrances. Welcome everybody to the grandness of stage. My name is, as Charday said, Tammy Dish. <laughs> no, this dish. Um, like Ricky had said, there's been many notable number of achievements in, within the LGBTI community over the last couple of years. We come from difficult times where homophobia was so rife, it shot like a bullet beyond what the eyes could see. It was a very difficult time if not an unspoken topic within the black traditional communities and societies at large looked at it as a taboo. Many were boxed in with emotions and anger. We lost lives due to the depression of having no one to speak to because of coming out. And um, let alone that, there were no laws that guaranteed our people. At the dawn of this evil act committed by homophobes, the law took a new turn and transformed the law into the case of Minister of Home Affairs, v for real this landmark decision and of the Constitution of South Africa found that same-sex couples have a constitutional right to marry. The judgment, authored by Justice Albi Sachs and delivered on the 1st of December 2005, gave Parliament just over a year to pass all the necessary legislation. And as a result, the Civil Union Act came through to, to play on the 30th of November 2006, making South Africa the fifth country in the world to recognize same-sex marriages. Yes. Now, post this judgment, there have been many inclusive other progressive strides that have been taken by the South African, LGBT, South African government and to include LGBTI communities 
We've seen great increase in the attendance of Pride events. Many corporate companies have found ways of making sure that they acknowledge our community. We've even seen institutions of higher learning making sure that they take a stance in communicating all their messaging in a gender-neutral manner. And that, uh, yes, and that can be uh, like looked at as progress. There's still more to be done, though. However, I want us to touch on a few ways on how we can organize ourselves and to make sure that we move forward with our struggles with a little bit of ba-ba-boom, you know, and, yes, ba-ba-boom. Um, one thing that's very important to me is how we create safe spaces. We need to create safe spaces that will allow people to open up, for people to speak without fear of feeling like they'll be judged or looked at as if they're mad or crazy, but rather for us to be able to hear all their cries and their pain and to see all the, the challenges they face every single day. Secondly, I want us to find ways to let our Twitter, our Facebook, our Instagram, and our daily practices be the source of light to all our struggles. We need to find a way of being agents of positive change. We need to find ways to kill all the toxic spirits we tend to emit on social media, be it intentionally or unintentionally. It's about time when we spread love, motivation, and find ways to make sure that we find meaningful and impactful ways of making sure that we find solutions as a collective, as the LGBTI community here in the continent and in the world. Secondly, we need to find ways to educate each other. And this, of course, is not on tips on how to get the best yams and cuddles at night, but also, on a lighter note, tap into the power of education and how we can educate each other as a collective, taking a more restorative approach. The moment when one of us goes off-site, let's not use that as a way to bash them and to drag them down, but rather find ways of making sure that they identify their mistakes and they never have them happen again. Let's find ways of killing the culture of ridiculing each other, all of us. And this brings me to my last point. Let's find ways that we can feed off each other's strength, learn of each other's experiences, brains, but most importantly, see each other with more respect and humility. It is without fail that despite the prejudice and the homophobia we face every single day, we still have made it happen. We have made strides in various professions, economic industries, because of our drive, our passion, our precision, our perseverance, and all the wonderful wonders we possess. The most influential brands, academia, top performers in professional bodies, both in public and private sector, are either managed or at the center of its machinery is an LGBTIQ plus person, even those that are not out yet, but they're still at the helm of it. Without fail, let's inspire every young girl or boy or trasi or, you know, I say that so that I don't be corrected by Ricky, to continue to fight and to soldier on and stand against every kind of prejudice. And it has come to a time where we must support each other's hustle, build a more strong and more network, network that is formidable to carry, the carry on challenging the status quo, proving that we are indeed not weak and we are, in, we, are, we are not incapable. Let us carry on with the moniker of the LGBTIQ plus community, including those who sit uncomfortably in high offices unable to come out. Like James Baldwin once said, your crown has already been bought and paid for. All you need to do is wear it. And conferences again, South Africa, Africa, and the world, let it be known that we're coming for everything. Our time is now.
and we're prepared to fight. We're prepared to fight and we're prepared to not let anyone undermine our struggles as a community. We're ready. I leave you with one task today, which is to try and organize ourselves in a meaningful and a purposeful way, ensuring that we never see any more suicides committed due to the people who are unable to speak out and speaking to people who will understand you. Enough about my son's story and all the blah, 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 blah. Um, today I see the LGBTI community as a beautiful garden of excellence. And for me, my experience of excellence is a journey through a glorious garden. It is marked with sweet scents and beautiful colors, surrounded by an overwhelmingly magnificent array of rich foliage, a marvel at life's splendor. At times, I try not to forget, though, that a tedious and a very profound process preceded all of this. Before all, nothing but a vast layer of nothingness could be seen. Individuals have had their hands cut, and perhaps their hearts too, to a plowing soil and a planting seed. I will never forget the tears that were shed upon these buried seeds that what, that, that what gave us rise to this majestic scene we see in front of us. And all the roads that we're going to travel might seem tough and hard, but I can promise you that it will be all worth it. So, with that said, thank you. I am out. take this moment to thank some of our partners who have worked with us throughout the years. Um, and they're all on the screen. I'm at Housing Enterprise Propella, um, Housing Community Safety and the NECs in our presence today and the HOD. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you to all the, the countries that have come out to join us. Hello. <laughs> I see Cape Town is here. Um, but also, I want to also take a look at our video. And that profile some of the work we've been doing over the last couple of years with the housing community safety. Lolly. Be sure to catch that and so much more on Rainbow Talk every weekday between 12 and 3 p.m. Standard South African time right here on Gay SA Radio where you are found.